It's difficult to tell from this vantage point whether they will consume the captive Earthmen or merely enslave them. One thing is for certain, there is no stopping them. The ants will soon be here. And I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords. I'd like to remind them that as a trusted TV personality, uh, I can be helpful in rounding up others to... Coordinated strike. Welcome to Coordinated Strike. As always, I'm your host, Joe. We've got a jam-packed one for you today. It is post-Adepticon. I did not have the pleasure of going, but there was a lot of toss to be had. It looked like a great tournament, so I wanted to go ahead and talk. Uh, I've got a couple of fun topics that I'd like to discuss with you, so sit back, buckle up, and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Generation of bugs today, meaner, tougher, especially roaches. That's why we've introduced today's new ray. So powerful it kills roaches on contact with residual action that keeps on killing for weeks. Today's raid kills the toughest bugs dead. So we're going to do a list tech today. If you haven't guessed, it's going to be a Jiring Hordes uh, list tech. So in a list tech, what we do is I give you a list that I've kind of been working on, and then I kind of walk through how the list is expected to play, uh, talk about what it does well, talk about what it struggles with, talk about kind of the key pieces within the list so that you can go ahead and have a pretty good idea uh, if this is something you'd like to try, something you'd like to proxy, uh, or something if you already have the models that you want to go ahead and play. So, without further ado, let's get into the list. This list is affectionately titled uh, The King of All Monsters, and it is a hybrid list. Uh, what this means is it utilizes uh, the Envoy system, and so we are going to be bringing in some of our friends from the Cult of the Burning Man. So, this is an homage, uh, at least thematically, to the monster movies of my childhood, most notably Godzilla King of All Monsters. So I am a huge fan of kaiju movies in general and Ghidra. So when uh, the other side had Hormitanji, i.e. the real Godzilla from New Zealand uh, in the game, it made me want to play this. And this is something that I played a lot in uh, initial testing, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet with all of my models because I didn't get a second alpha in my Kickstarter. Uh, I went ahead and got that uh, finally here through regular retail means. So that has come in. I am super excited for it. I'm excited to get it onto the actual table again, uh, but with real models this time. So this list utilizes uh, the Envoy for the Cult of the Burning Man. So our two commanders for the list, uh, one is going to be Horamatanji. The second one is going to be the Frenzy, and they are very important in this matchup. Uh, again, we're going to lean very heavily on the synergy between the Frenzy and Relic of Ancient Malifaux uh, as a way to kind of spam out reinforcement tokens onto the Alpha and to keep our limited troops up uh, throughout the course of the game. So... What we're looking at from an asset standpoint is that 
the friends that you're going to take Relic of Ancient Nalifo, and they're going to take Sharktooth Necklace because we don't want area affecting them negatively. So for Hormatanji, Hormatanji is also going to take uh, is going to take Unnatural Growth uh, because I like to have the ability to see what my opponent is drawing. And then giving out additional shaken tokens is never a bad thing. Uh, and so for one, for cost of one, I really like unnatural growth. I really like it on something like Horamitanji, where just good solid passive abilities just sort of help him in general. And another one that I really like on Horamitanji, again as a general rule uh, for him is I also like Relic of Ancient Malifaux uh, for several reasons. One, he kind of has his really good bellow, which can give out the reinforcement tokens, but doesn't force the reinforce. And in this list in particular, we're only running three troop choices in the main, in the main grouping, and I really want to keep those upright as much as possible because I only have one starting unit that is capable of coming back via the endless number rule. So we want to keep our cult allies uh, as fresh as possible throughout this matchup, and doing the dual Relic of Ancient Malifaux really helps that. And then to finish it off, he is going to take uh, Tidecaller. Uh, this gives him an additional action, uh, does some nice placement uh, manipulation for the force. Uh, that way he can go ahead and extend his threat range utilize a lot of what makes him special because he is very actively going to be a third titan in this list so this list as you may imagine is going to run very titan heavy uh, and this is intentional i want to have hormatanji and then i want to have two alphas that essentially do the bulk of the heavy lifting with everything else really there to support what they're attempting to do. So to that end, we have two Alpha Crawlers. They're going to be identically uh, designated. Uh, both are going to take massive arms. There is an argument here for multiple limb because of the additional attacks that it can generate with reinforcement tokens. I tend to value the Strength 5 a little bit higher. But this is also because my primary opponent plays King's Empire uh, and dabbles in Abyssinia, so the armor tends to be something that I want to get through more as opposed to having the additional attacks, and removing a single fire team is often more valuable to me than having two attacks on two things. Your mileage may vary. This is kind of where I'm at with the list right now. So currently it is massive arms on both. It is then over eager to give that plus two acting value uh, for everything when they rush to up their threat range. And then finally, I am a huge fan of rolling innards. There is a good argument that can be made for ridden by crawlers. Personally, I am a bigger fan of rolling innards because of the ability to flip things from glory again with an opponent that plays primarily king's empire getting those units out of glory particularly royal rifle corps is utterly critical in the matchup to sustainability so what i really want to do is 
you leverage that as much as I can within the match. So that's the load out there. So that is my first 25 points of 47 is going to be just in the assets for the commanders and in two fully decked out alpha crawlers. So what are what's supporting our titans? What's supporting the monsters in this list? Well, what is supporting the monsters are two units uh, of Envoyed in from Cult of the Burning Man, two units of Doomseekers. And so the Doomseekers, for those that don't know, are a magic ranged attack unit for uh, Cult of the Burning Man. They are coming in via the Envoy rule because Horimitanchi is a dual commander in that he is his dual allegiance commander. So he has the ability to take the Cult Envoy uh, and give me ass or access to cult assets and cult units or sorry cult squads specifically so i am bringing in the doom seekers the doom seekers provide a lot of flexibility to the list itself uh, they provide a lot of threat range uh, they can walk six and then they have a 16 inch attack it is ranged and magical and it is area. It is strength 3, acting value 6. So very good attack for 7 points a unit. So 14 points for those big guys there. Huge fan of what they are bringing to the mix. Additionally, when they end their activation, they can take a friendly fire team. Or they can take a friendly unit that has at least one fire team within 8 of one of their fire teams. And then move, place that entire unit in base contact with one or more of their uh, Doomseeker fire teams. So they can do some pull away to get uh, Titans out of bad situations, reset them for a charge, uh, to get Hormitanji out of a bad situation, get the Frenzy out of a bad situation, get uh, one of the other units in the list out of the bad situation. They just provide a or bring them forward so that they're set up for a charge uh, after a coordinated strike or immediately or in, or in the next activation. They just give you a lot of angles for attack, a lot of threat extension, a lot of ways to pull uh, units out of danger. Huge fan of what they're bringing there. And then with the additional area damage, they can be a lot of value into virtually every single uh, faction or of every single allegiance. So huge, huge, huge fan of the Doomsakers in this particular list. And it just adds to uh, the King of All Monsters themes because they are cultists. Uh, the Doomsakers have all of the robes. They look like kind of acolytes to the giant monsters uh, servicing their temples as they uh, as they kind of worship the, the giant kaiju. So I am very much a fan of the aesthetic uh, of this. I think it uh, I think it plays well both thematically and on the table. So that is why I'm kind of pushing this this theme in this list. So what else do we have? Well you've got to have some smaller monsters. And so for our smaller monsters in this list we have our Karkanoi. Uh, Karkanoi clock in at eight points for the unit. 
bringing us to 22 for those counting at home, uh, which will get us, so that's 8 plus 14 is 22, plus our 25 we've already got set. That gets us to our 47, which is our maximum we can spend. So what do we get from the Karkanoi? Well, the main thing that we get uh, above everything else is a unit with the ability to spam or and to spawn uh, egg clutches. So the unit doesn't default have egg clutches in it, but it has the Karkanoi who can generate the egg clutches very uh, or fairly reliably. The egg clutches are going to be utilized in a number of ways once they're generated uh, to help glory the alphas and to glory the Karkanois themselves to help uh, later in the game by just sort of because they get to place anywhere on the table when they come back by an endless number uh, I can go ahead and place them in highly ad advantageous positions for later in the game to just drop random uh, you know depending on the depending on the mission they can come out uh, and they can start contributing the turn after they are summoned to the uh, to the actual scoring of the game uh, of the operation so they become pretty important pieces additionally and even more importantly in this kind of list is I have the ability to then do a surprise spawning moon keep spawning moon in my stratagem deck make make a you know, purchase it make a uh, egg clutch and then convert that egg clutch through use of additional tactics tokens into uh, a unit of say armored whelks or a unit of Yurazi, or a unit of striped skulkers. Heck, even another unit of Karkanoi. It gives me a lot of flexibility to kind of put another unit on the table when I need to within the matchup. And then because of the Frenzy's ability to get uh, that unit respawned or get that unit to start to heal uh, during their activation, along with Horamitanji, it means that they can come in and become meaningful very rapidly. Uh, and it helps It helps just kind of bring, bring some security to the force uh, additionally because it just gives me that one additional activation or two activations as I summon them. Uh, the Karkanoi do a lot of work. The Karkanoi are very good as a late-game finisher piece. So if I do uh, what I want to do, which is use Hormatanji and the Alphas to go ahead and crack the enemy army, the Karkanoi can come in and really provide late-game cleanup for me. Uh, that combined with whatever unit I kind of spawn with uh, summoning, or spawning season through the uh, through the egg clutches, really really good. One other thing the Doom Seekers do uh, that I forgot to mention: if I can get them into glory, uh, which I can virtually automatically with Hormatanji because he can just yell to shaking tokens on them, they can go ahead and begin to spawn briefings. So yes, uh, the Doom Seekers also have spawning. So there's a there's a theme. Uh, within my units and that all of the units that I am taking can generate additional units for me. Uh, 
so I like that quite a bit. Uh, the breachings are a lot of fun to be able to use. They're more fun if you're getting them for free because they're basically big bombs. Uh, the fact that Hormatanji can just yell at them uh, and then at any point after he yells at them, he can just make them go boom uh, because they can they can go boom at any time that is not during an action. So it is very important to understand the glory mechanic for Cult of the Burning Man as well as the glory mechanic for Jivering Hordes when we are discussing this list. So again, to recap, we are taking a list with the Frenzy and Hormatanji. Both the Frenzy and Hormatanji are each getting their own copy of Relic of Ancient Malifaux. The Frenzy are getting their Shark Tooth Necklace. Hormatanji is getting his Tide Pool or Flame Breath, really whichever you feel uh, that you want more. I like both. Uh, I like Tide Pool a little bit more in this list just because of the push-pull aspect of it. And then to cap him off, I like Unnatural Growth. So that he's got his three assets for being a Titan Commander. Uh, because the Titan in him allows him to take three slots worth of assets. Then he's got two Alphas equipped exactly the same, both with massive arms both with Overeager, and both with uh, Rolling Innards for the Glory uh, Reducing Vomit attack. Uh, after that, we have two units of Cult of the Burning Man, because we have taken the Envoy for the Cult of the Burning Man. So we have two units of Doomseekers. And then to cap it all off, we have one unit of Korkanoi, and that is the King of All Monsters list. So how does this list kind of play? Well, essentially what we are attempting to do with it is use our Korkanoi to early game summon Egg Clutches. The Egg Clutches are then going to be used to glory the... Alphas and Glory Hormatanji. Additionally, or optionally, you could on turn one, or and Glory the Frenzy. Optionally on turn one, you could you could save one of those egg clutches and have your uh, and have purchased Spawning Moon in turn one. With that, your intention typically is going to be to make Armored Welks uh, so that you have pin token immunity for the Titans as they kind of move up. That is a very solid strategy. I do recommend it uh, in a lot of cases. If you've got if you've got the board space to do it and the train is kind of allowing for it. Uh, and depending upon your opponent, if your opponent didn't bring any pinned, any any something that brings pin tokens into the game, then it's a little less of an immediate call for you to bring those guys in. Uh, based on operation, it may be more game game relevant to bring in your Razi uh, or to bring in Striped Skulkers. Really, any of the Gibbering Hordes units can be very helpful, dependent upon the particular situation your mileage is going to vary. So from a stratagem perspective, I like Spawning Boon in, uh, in this 
in this particular list a lot. That is really the slot that I have most locked down for it. Additionally, uh, I like to take dominance. This list is going to be very good at killing individual fire teams every single turn. So dominance is going to allow us a scoring vector for that uh, as a way to ultimately help us win the game by doing that over a course of several turns. Uh, so those two are really the stratagems that I have locked in at this point. The other four are a little more flexible based on operation uh, and based on opponent. I think the Jibbering Hordes playbook is a very interesting one and one that I have not figured out perfectly for yet. And So that's where I have a bit of discussion around it, and that's really going to be the question from this show is what stratagems would you put into this deck? What do you think it needs? Uh, what are the other four remaining slots uh, that we... What are the other four things we should fill the slots in this deck with uh, to really kind of round out the list, give us a lot of advantage into several of the matchups, or shore up a spot where we don't have a good advantage or, uh, or a really a deficit within the matchup? So those are the thoughts I'd like to like to speak with you about. Uh, if you are uh, if you're a Jibbering Hordes player, even if you're not, if you're not a Jibbering Hordes player, I'd like to know what you think of the list and what you would do against it. Uh, again, trying to get as much information from the player base as possible as I kind of put these deck techs out into the universe, for lack of a better term, these list techs out into the universe, for lack of a better term. So. Let's talk about the match, what what problems this list presents, and kind of how it's going to play. So the problems this list presents is it gives three giant titans on the table that your opponent is going to have to deal with. They don't really get a choice to not deal with the titans. And you're going to be very aggressive with them. Now, with this aggression, it does mean that potentially Hormatanji is going to be vulnerable. So what are some ways to mitigate his vulnerability? Well, one of the things you can do is to use the Doomseekers as an actual shielding for him. And that that unit goes rushes in front of him as he advances and they take they block the line of sight to him uh, because as long as they're they're in base to base with each other the, the opponent does not have line of sight to the things behind that unless they themselves are titans or are sitting on a hill as they would ignore low terrain so the three titans really become sort of this brick that <clears throat> rushes in and starts to clobber the meat of the opponent's army is really kind of the goal here. So you want to keep them fairly free to maneuver. Uh, I do recommend giving... I do like the idea of one cultist unit you being utilized to keep Hormatanji covered as much as possible on the on the advance i think that is a 
a solid point and a solid use of that particular uh, that particular unit uh, for him to keep him clean just just enough to really get him into position so that he's not shot off the table on the way up or reduced in uh, reduced in power. One of the other ones. Uh, now the thing about it, medic is absolutely critical in your strategy deck here. So really, the three that I have uh, locked in are medic, uh, medic spawning the spawning a spawning season, and spawning moon, and uh, dominance. So those are those are the three uh, that I have automatically uh, sort of selected for the deck. I think the the other three slots are a little more flexible. A little bit more based on matchup. So again, uh, the Titans are going to kind of be the the main killing force. Your secondary force is going to be these cultists, and these cultists are you're going to be able to use as screening elements. You're going to be able to use them as range distraction elements. You're going to use them to push or to pull units back or to help pull things forward within the list. They really provide a lot of mobility and versatility to keep the whole army moving. Additionally, there's not a ton of activations here. So you're really looking at you're looking at the Frenzy, you're looking at Hormitanji, you're looking at two of the units of Doomseekers, you're looking at the two Alphas, and you're looking at the Karkanoi. So all in all you're looking at seven activations, and that is a very tight uh, the other side list. Then you can kind of beef that up uh, through spawning uh, either the uh, the, uh, the eggs. Uh, eventually you'll be able to spawn some breachlings, but even then those are not going to be on the table for very long in most of the instances. Just gives you kind of some additional flexibility. You're going to make it an additional unit with uh, spawning moon, so you'll get up to eight uh, or help to replace some losses that you may have. The big key here is making sure you take advantage of Relic of Ancient Malifaux to keep these forces as robust as possible. This is also where a lot of your card resource is going to go in this particular list, is keeping your forces healthy and alive. So in many cases, the Titans are going to be using a little bit of cards to make sure their attacks stick and cause maximum damage. We're really looking for more damage than anything else because the two Alphas have overeagers. So as long as they get that rush order to go in, they should be hitting because they're going to be effectively uh, acting value eights on their attack swings. So they really shouldn't be missing a lot there in in most cases. So that is that is something that we've got to look at and, and kind of talk about in this particular list is resource allocation and the first turn. So I'm a big fan of getting Spawning Moon into your hand as quickly as possible. Alternately, getting Medic into your hand uh, can be game-winning if you are not going the route of keeping uh, cultist in front of Hormitanji, then the medic in hand becomes a little more valuable to you because he is really critical in making some damage stick depending upon what your opponent has brought. 
So if your opponent has not brought any Titans, Hornimatanji's job becomes hunting down the opposing commanders. In many ways, that is what he wants to do. He wants to kind of close them out. Because every attack he does that does damage and flips an asset removes that asset. So he really gives you that a key advantage there. Because as soon as they take one point of damage from him and it forces them to flip an asset, that asset is gone and that asset is not coming back uh, in pretty much in pretty much every instance uh, outside of a very select few. Uh, additionally, he's exceedingly good at hunting down titans. So he kind of becomes your scalpel piece. Your hammer piece, your kind of random missiles, are your alphas, and they are going to do some heavy lifting for you, uh, and they're going to do so in tandem. And what you're really trying to do is look for a concept known as threat saturation. So if you played Tyranids back in... Back many, 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 many moons ago, this is going to be a playstyle that is fairly familiar to you because you're going to have uh, several big creatures that are going to be the focus of a lot of attention of your list, and then some gribbly guys that do a lot of niche things but can also sometimes just win the game on their own. Because everybody is forced to deal with the real threats of the list, which are the Titans, that the secondary threats, they aren't able to concentrate as much firepower into, or as much firepower as they would like. And then as the game's natural attrition flow goes, they just don't have the gas to be able to finish you off before you've been able to attrition them to the point where they break entirely. So that is the concept behind Monster Mash, where we have this big threat, this, these three titans that you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to come up with some plan to remove them. We are going to put uh, stratagems in place, uh, Medic in particular, to go ahead and try to keep them upright as much as possible. We have a lot of healing in the list for our units, so we are trying to be as resilient as possible. We are looking to gain that attritional advantage wherever possible, looking to absorb as much firepower as possible, and to eventually reduce that firepower to the point where our threats stay on the board and the opponent does not have enough gas to remove them completely. So that is King of All Monsters. I hope you enjoyed uh, this deck discussion, uh, this list discussion. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the list. Uh, I'd like to see what you're kind of brewing up. Uh, in our next shows, we're going to be talking about uh, similar list brews for each of the factions. So this is the start of kind of some list techs for each of the factions. We're, we're particularly doing two commanders right now. So I hope you found this interesting. I hope you found this fun. Uh, and remember, if you have a tactics token, you can make a coordinated strike. You were a monster, born in ancient times. Did you cut the telephone lines? Icelandic were a monster.
Slime, we're monsters. 